You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily Arizona Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're going to send a pair of teams to the Super Bowl this weekend, the AFC-NFC Conference Championship game. It's Locked On Cardinals, part of your Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are actually going to look at some of the lines, and Alex and I are going to try to help you out making some money. BetOnline.ag, that's the website that we trust, and we're going to look at the spreads for the Chiefs-Bills games and Buccaneers-Packers games. It's Bo Brock. Give me a follow on Twitter, at Bob Brock. Alex Clancy as well, at Clancy's Corner. He's my co-host. Of course, follow the podcast at Clancy's, or at Lockdown AZ Cards. We got our guy Josh Weinfuss going to join us for the first time this offseason and kind of uh, look at what the Cardinals organization has done and what they haven't done since the team fell short of making the postseason after a promising start. We'll get into that conversation. Um, lots to, to chat about, Alex, as far as this organization goes and what they've done and what they haven't done. Um, let's just real quick, after our guy Jason hit us up on Twitter, uh, let's take a look at the blame game because – Jason was pointing out or, or wanting us. He, I don't know if he necessarily thought we were being too harsh on Steve Kime, but he thought that uh, team president, essentially the Cardinals owner, owner Michael Bidwell, um, should take more of the blame than, than he does. Uh, and Steve Kime is kind of the uh, the redhead stepchild of this organization and, and takes all, the brunt of it. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, we we say a lot that we're going to give you opinion-based and not Homer-based information, opinions, analysis on the Arizona Cardinals. Bo and I, neither of us grew up Arizona Cardinals fans, so it's not like we're here. Like, you you deserve to give the Arizona Cardinals fans of America a better GM and a better coach, and I'm going to cry. No, we just, we call it as it is. And if you legitimately think that Steve Kime deserves to be the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals right now, you're, I disagree. You're wrong, in my opinion. And what we do, I mean, especially, you know, like I, I won't speak for Bo, but it's like you're, we're not going to sugarcoat things just to make the narrative look better than it is. This is a crap box organization over the last 50 years, win loss total wise, save the last 10 years and the one Super Bowl appearance in the late 2000s. And Steve Kine being the GM. This is going to be his ninth season, I believe. Eighth or ninth season from 2013. He hasn't drafted well at all. He hasn't hired the right head coach the last two times. And it's not even close. Cliff is obviously a a better uh, hire than Steve Wilkes, but he obviously has a lot more talent to work with as well. So if you think that Steve Keim should be the GM of the Arizona Cardinals based on performance, you may not be watching the same team that we've been watching over the last eight years. Very passionate. That was very passionate. I <laughs> I do what I can, man. Listen, I, I need a throat lozenge. I need a, I need a woo saw, but that's what I feel. I just I I hear what you're saying, and one thing I'll say as far as Michael Bidwell is, he's taken this organization from being a laughing stock to relevant, and you know things. The last two decades have been exponentially better than the way this organization was run. You know, as as one of the oldest franchises in the NFL. Under the the elder Bill Wills before his passing, um, Michael Bidwell might meddle a little bit, but he's not Jerry Jones. He's not Dan Snyder. He's not Steve, uh, uh, He's not uh, Robert Sarver 
for the Phoenix Suns. He's not. You can't hear him in the background of trade discussions on the telephone like Ryan McDonough had, uh, their old GM, where he's he's asking for more. He's giving his opinion. I, I don't see Bidwell as that, but I do see him as somebody somewhat of a cheerleader for Steve Kime, which is 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 head scratching. Uh, his biggest problem is that he Steve Kime is his ride or die. You know, as long as Bidwell has been in a power position in this organization, Steve Kime has been in this organization. He's been with the Cardinals for over 20 years, and everything that Bidwell knows about football, he's probably learned from Steve Kime. And in his eyes, he can do he can do no wrong. And if he's at fault for that, I, I get that. But as far as you know, being a two hands on owner. I, I'm not buying that that narrative. Um, I, I see him as kind of a, a parent with a troubled kid, a troubled child, and the community and his friends and his parents' friends all see him as an issue. And Michael Bidwell doesn't. He thinks he's a honorable, you know, just uh, the 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 best kid. He's got a bumper sticker saying how how cool his kid is, where he's he's failed in several important aspects of. Of uh, being a general manager, so that look, it's just I feel like, especially if we're talking to new members of the audience, I think they need to know where we stand uh, when we talk about the Cardinals' off season. Uh, what you know, or even how they got here, they fell tremendously short of a great opportunity of making the postseason, despite you know getting incrementally better the last two seasons under Cliff Kingsbury and having Kyler Murray as their quarterback. But right. they also fell short, and uh, there needs to be. You know, you need, to, you need to figure out why that happened. And that's where a big question of accountability remains with this organization. And when we talk about, you know, them, you know, what they need to do this offseason via free agency, trades, draft, it's just, I, I think the audience needs to know when we talk about that, our confidence is, it's gone as far as the, the decision makers uh, and their ability to kind of, Turn, turn things around. I mean, it's 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 the insanity theory. It's like the it's 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 doing the same thing, expecting different results. And uh, you know, I, I think that's just important when when you listen to us. Like we can say all the things that we think this organization should do, you know, but it, it's going to it's obviously going to its own beat of its own drum. So. That's that's all I'm saying as far as this is concerned. I I don't think you'll find us either of us because I feel like we really try to be as unbiased as possible. That we're not in the corner of Michael Bidwell. We're not in the corner of, of Steve Kime. We're not in the corner of anyway. We celebrate the successes and we we also we'll, we're critical of when they fall short. Yeah, and it was a real like so. I mean, to the credit of both of us, we were pretty much in unison by saying. Since the end of the 2018 season to the start of this season, Steve Kahn was a top 10 GM in the NFL for the moves that he made, the draft, etc. Now, that fell short a little bit because really the only bona fide NFL star at this point or with, with star potential from the 2019 draft is Kyler Murray, yeah. and you ran unopposed to draft him number one overall. The jury's still out with Zach Allen and Byron Murphy. 2019, Isaiah Simmons will see. But winning franchises have home run with the with their first with their first round pick let alone the a top 10 pick and that's how the ravens have built their defense that's how the steelers have built their defense look at what devin white is doing in in tampa bay you know and now what the real bummer was like the real bummer 
was an article that came out, I believe, you know what, I'm not even going to say because I don't know 100% sure, but there was an article that came out from a reputable source that said the DeAndre Hopkins trade was from a McNair to a Bidwell, and it had nothing to do with Steve Keim or Bill O'Brien. It was two guys that were like, you know what, DeAndre Hopkins isn't happy here. I'm going to find a nice spot for him where he'll be happy. So Steve Keim, although we gave him credit for it initially, it was shenanigans because it wasn't even him that was the focal point of the, uh, the acquisition of DeAndre Hopkins. That was the real bummer. And then what we saw this year was just a testament to hiring a guy who failed pre-calculus, yet you moved him up to AP calculus in high school because he thought it was the right move. And that's where we are right now. And it's because of Steve Keim ultimately that we're here and that's just the truth in my opinion it's locked on cardinals part of your locked on podcast network your team every day we appreciate the tweets as always from our guy jason we've got our guy josh weinfuss coming up next what's the organization been up to it's been pretty quiet especially in the from the tempe facility as far as the cardinals are concerned they fell short are they pissed about it We'll talk to Josh, get his insight. It's coming up next. Locked on Cardinals. This episode of Locked on Cardinals is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds, responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful diamond ring, launching exclusively January 18th at BlueNile.com. This exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches January 18th. So you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. If you're looking to jumpstart your health, your fitness in 2021, I got a secret weapon for you. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. Built Bar. And it's more improved and deliciouser than before. How's that possible? They added to their amazing collection of flavors from 12 to now 18 Caramel brownie now, cookies and cream, and they're all delicious to go along with the OG flavors, peanut butter, German chocolate, raspberry, double chocolate, bars covered in 100% chocolate, soft, easy to chew. You want them a little harder? Throw them in the fridge. They're just as good, just as delicious. It's the best tasting candy bar, protein bar ever. It tastes like a candy bar, and they're just as healthy as they are delicious. Great for the health conscious person. Lose, maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Low in calorie, low in sugar, but high in protein, high in fiber, and great for the keto diet. Right now, go to the website, BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. Using the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Taking you into conference championship weekend, it's Locked On Cardinals, part of your Locked On podcast network, your team every day. Make sure you're following along on Twitter, at Locked On AZ Cards, at Clancy's Corner to follow Alex, and at Bob Rack, easiest way to find me, Bo Brock, on Twitter. Uh, exciting weekend ahead. We're going to send a pair of teams to the Super Bowl, but before we do that, we want to keep the Cardinals conversation going about what the team's been up to. Pretty quiet around their facility in Tempe the last uh, just under a month since the season kind of unceremoniously ended. we got to bring in our guy who's more electric than a Dan Campbell introductory press conference, <laughs> our guy Josh Weinfuss from ESPN.com. What's going on, Josh? That was phenomenal. I've never had a better <laughs> intro than that. Though. There you go. There you go. You're, you're not going to promise about biting people's kneecaps, though, are you? I, I hope not. 
No, no, I I have lines, and and biting kneecaps is is where the line is drawn. It's uh, that was I I felt like that was kind of Rex Ryan ish yesterday. I don't know. I didn't. I wasn't buying in full hook line sinker with Dan Campbell, and uh, I actually kind of appreciated Cliff Kingsbury a little bit yesterday watching Dan Campbell's uh, introduction. See, I'm the opposite. I loved it, <laughs> and here's why: because I think too many coaches, when they become the head coach of an NFL team, they change who they are. Right? They think they need to be a you know this, this buttoned up, this this iron fist. Like they they change. Their, their demeanor, they change how they talk to people, they change how they treat people. And I don't know Dan Campbell, but I can't imagine he changed a lot for this press conference, right? I, it was kind of refreshing to see someone come out there. Sure, was it over the top? Yes. But I think this situation warranted that. I mean, they, this team has been so bad for so long in the Detroit Lions that they needed someone to go out there and basically try to show the fans in Detroit that, I'm not going to to be another one of those coaches, you know? And uh, it, it was just, you know, the guy who comes to mind the most is Steve Wilkes, right? He, when he, I had heard stories that two years before he got to Arizona, he was a completely different person, like 180 degrees different than he was in 18. So that 16th mm-hmm. season, he just, he was personable. He returned reporters' text messages. Like he was just very open. That started to change in 2017 when he started to realize that he could be a head coach one day. And I heard he got more buttoned up, wasn't, you know, was more like black and white about things. It was kind of just more of a, a, a hard-nosed guy. And then obviously 18, he comes in, was a terrible, you know, press conference coach, um, just didn't really have any personality. And that's just, you know, that's not who he is. Like he is, I, I've talked to him personally, you know, off the record and stuff and, he was just so engaging. He had a great personality and that never came through the podium. Kind of a lot like Cliff Kingsbury is right now. But it's just refreshing to see a guy like Dan Campbell be like, I'm sure that's who he is. And you know what? If that's who he is, stay that way. Like, don't change because people think you, you know, people call him a meathead. Like, if you're a meathead, own it. Like, own that. Like, that obviously got you an NFL head coaching job. So just, just, just live that life and don't become someone you're not. And I think too many NFL coaches um, end up changing. So to me, it's very refreshing. Josh Weinfuss, Arizona Cardinals writer for ESPN. Joining us here, Bo Brock, Alec Plant, the Unlocked on Cardinals. Um, Josh, would you rather have a head coach whose demeanor is like Cliff Kingsbury or like Dan Campbell? Dan Campbell. Hmm. Dan Campbell. I mean, at least publicly, I would. I mean, I think that gets that gets people riled up, right? That gets people engaged. I think when, when fans watch Cliff Kingsbury – when loser draw, they're kind of like this guy. He comes off as just being very even keeled, maybe too even keeled. And I think if Dan Campbell loses, I think we're going to see some emotion from him. And I think that there are plenty of Cardinals fans who wish they saw more emotion from Kingsbury or maybe even more accountability beyond the whole, yeah, I called bad plays. I think we're going to, I think you know, just based off of his introductory press conference with Campbell, I think you're going to see more of that from, from him than you would see from Kingsbury. Yeah, we heard Cliff Kingsbury, especially after the Cardinals dropped the last two games of the regular season to end their season there and not make the postseason, even though there was an incredible opportunity against C.J. Beathard, starting quarterback for the Niners, and then, of course, the Rams. They had to start John Wolford in his first career NFL start. It seems like it was a gigantic missed opportunity for this organization to punch its ticket to the playoffs and that didn't happen. And, you know, with us talking about Campbell being a fiery guy, I would think that if if the Lions had 
missed something like that, or they do in the future, that Campbell is going to be very outspoken on that. And I, I just don't. I wanted to get your sense of this in the organization as a whole since they fell short the last less than a month. It's been pretty quiet. I mean, they make the decision to uh, you know fire. David Ray is their wide receivers coach, but for the most part, things have been quiet. Have you seen this organization? You know, what's the vibe? What, what's the you know? Are are they upset? Upset? Are they furious that they fell short? I would I would guess there's. Yeah. It's been really you know I mean just silence from them, and not surprising. It's the off season. You know, it's just the first few weeks after after their season ended. People probably went on vacation. People yeah. got away from from the facility. Um, you know, there hasn't been anything out of really from, from, from the team in any sense, shape or form. So, um, we don't really know, but my guess is they're probably pretty pissed off. I mean, they started the season five and two yeah, and they finished eight and eight and missed the playoffs. Like, yes, as we've talked about this before, it was an improvement over 2019, which was an improvement over 2018. But when you start a season five and two, those expectations get reset, like we talked about. And to go and have that nosedive, I mean, they were one catch away from losing five straight games. That's terrible by any standard. So um, should they miss the playoffs? In theory, no. They, they should have had a much better year than they did, and I think that's going to, to burn some people. And I think especially it's going to hurt even more if they don't make the playoffs next year. Like, if they make the playoffs next year, people are going to look back at this year and be like, this was a growing – these were growing pains. This was mm-hmm. a stepping stone. If they don't make the playoffs, then people are going to look at this year and being like, that was a preview of what was to come, and that's not going to be pretty. Yeah, I thought it was interesting because Cliff Kingsbury said early in the season, I think it was a post-game locker room speech where he said, hey, be confident, but don't be content. Uh, And I like that, but then we saw this. It's like it would be interesting to see if the organization felt that that getting incrementally better from five wins to eight wins – Sure, it was in the improvement, but we all witnessed with our own eyes a team just kind of come apart at the seams when it really mattered the most down the stretch with just incredible opportunity. It was they, they were going up against a, a five-win Niners team. They were going up against a uh, struggling offense that was having to play a quarterback that it played at the AAF level. I don't know. I just... I I I think from an optics standpoint, and I I I know that doesn't mean that much, but to a fan base that has kind of suffered the last couple seasons since Bruce Arians moved on, retired, and then went on with the Bucks, that they want to see people are furious, they want to see people are pissed. But I don't know if that's just because we're just letting the dust settle, and in this need now age, we want to see it immediately. That that could just be what I'm witnessing. I mean, and, and, and that doesn't surprise me if that's true because we are in this age of instant gratification. So people want to see, you know, t- you know, tables being, you know, fists being slammed, stuff like that. But I'm sure there was a lot of embarrassment after those last two games. I mean, like you said, they lost to an AAF quarterback in week 17. You lost to a third or fourth string quarterback in week 16. Like those are games with a defense as good as the Cardinals that you should not be losing. And I mean, that's, I'm sure there were guys that were pissed. I'm sure there were guys that were embarrassed as to some degree as they should be. Like, you know, you, you just had your, your, your cookies taken by guys who should not be taking anybody's cookies. And um, I think it's going to be very interesting to see if that impacts 
the relationship between the players and the Cardinals. And that's not something we're going to see for a long time. I'm sorry, not the players and the Cardinals, the players and Coach Kingsbury. And I, I think that's going to be something that that's, we're not going to be able to see for, you know, anytime soon. I think that's a long-term play. And, you know, and, and the long-term might be this coming season. It might be next season. But I think it's going to be very fascinating to see how players react to this season, you know, and then they're going to want to take blame. But I think deep down that they know that there's, you know, and, and Kyler Murray even alluded to it at some point, either, you know, in his last press conference or, or the last week was that there are things that need to change. And um, that could be coaching wise, that could be player wise, it could be, you know, philosophy wise, but there are going to be things that need to, that, that will change, that will have to change if the team wants to get better. And um, it, it's, it's, I'm just, I'm, I'm very curious to see how players are going to react to Kingsbury after, you know, losing those two games. Josh Weinfuss from ESPN.com. Give him a follow on Twitter at Josh Weinfuss. Read his great work at ESPN.com. We're going to continue this conversation about the Arizona Cardinals, how they should prioritize their offseason and get more into where the team fell short and missing the playoffs in 2020. It's all here. Lockdown Cardinals, part of your Lockdown Podcast Network. We've got a pair of three-point underdogs and a pair of three-point favorites for your AFC and NFC championship games. Where's the smart money? Alex and I will tell you later where you're going to place your bets on betonline.ag. That's the only place we trust to place our bets. They're your online sportsbook experts. If you need a little bit more action, just the spread of the game, the totals, they've got some great prop bets as well, some future bets. Check them out, betonline.ag. And it just doesn't stop at, of course, the AFC and NFC Championship game. It's also including all the college hoops action, all the NBA action, all the NHL action, all the betting your little heart desires. And sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag using the promo code LOCKEDON, one word, and you'll get your 50% welcome bonus. That means if you put in 50 bucks, you get $25 free to play around with. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive 50% welcome bonus for your first deposit. This week's and weekend's a great weekend to make some money. Bet online. Your online sportsbook experts. Back here on a Friday edition of Locked On Cardinals Party, your Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, Bo Brock, Alex Clancy, and Josh Weinfuss talking about the end of the Arizona Cardinals regular season, what's been going on this offseason kind of uh we mentioned David Ray. He was uh he, he's gone from the wide receivers coach role, very well respected coach, but we also saw that group kind of fall flat at the end of the season. Guys like Christian Kirk, we didn't hear much from them. Obviously, he wasn't uh in a couple of those games. And we also had uh, Andy Isabella. He was inactive at one point. We just saw outside of DeAndre Hopkins, not a lot of production from the wide receivers. Looks like they're going to go with Sean Jefferson reportedly at the wide receivers coach. And we also could see that Tom Clements is reportedly retiring. He was your uh, passing game coordinator. And uh, was it Dennis Dodd reporting Cam Turner has been promoted to at least fill that quarterback coaching role. Um, that's that's the extent of the move so far this offseason. Um I've been kind of preaching patience. I think Alex has been looking for maybe a little bit more from the organization. I don't want to speak for him. I, what, what's your sense, Josh, as far as has this, is this organization fine by just being pretty quiet so far in less than a month after their season's ended? Yeah, I think this is pretty normal. You know, I think this is just every, you know, this is player players and coaches need breaks, right? They need to go and rest. And this is, 
that time when that happens. You know, the first three, four weeks after season is the time that most coaches and, and players will go and just take vacations and just kind of chill out and decompress from last year, kind of try to put it behind them. And then, you know, you got to start scouting and, and focusing on next year. But, um, yeah, no, this is that time of the year that everyone kind of moves on. Um, one thing you did say that I think is interesting is that, you know, with Tom Clement's retirement or a, a reported retirement, mm-hmm. um, that could be one of the things that, that Kyler Murray was referring to, you know, I mean, that could be one of the changes that, that, that needed to be made. So it'll be interesting that if we ever get to talk to Cliff anytime soon, um, that would be one interesting aspect of this to, to talk to him about. So taking a breath, you know, with, with what Bo mentioned, and there's still so many question marks for the future. The window is slowly, has slowly gone from, oh, man, they have all this time with Kyler Murray to, well, we're pretty much halfway now. Uh, where do you think the shortest shortcomings need to be shorn up fastest to keep this boat afloat and not have the little leaks that are permeating through right now you know, overtake and having the boat inevitably capsize. Are we talking roster or on the field? I just in general, I mean, we're talking generalities right now because there's so many questions and it's so long until agency in the draft. So let's just say roster specifically. I think that they need to figure out, I think the first and foremost thing that they need to figure out is their running back. You know, what are they going to do with Kenyon Drake? His contract is, you know, his tender expires. Um, in 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 March, I think March seventeenth is the end of the league year. So they need to figure out: Do you pay him a huge amount, or do you let him walk and test free agency? I think that's going to be the number one thing they have to figure out. You have to bolster this wide receiving core, um, you know, and you have to add you have to add a cornerback that could is reliable and durable. You know, what's what are they do with Patrick Pearson? That's another major question. I think you know, and then obviously. Um, Robert Alfred has, has not played it down for the Cardinals in two years because of injuries. So there's a chance, you know, they could potentially part ways with, you know, with him that, you know, I, I don't see it happening, but there's a chance it's because of his durability issues. And then obviously you don't bring Patrick Pearson in. You're done. your you know, your your cornerback one and cornerback two heading into pretty important season. So what do you do there? And, and there's just, those are probably the three main areas that if I'm the Cardinals, I need to focus on most. And obviously you always want to you know, improve your offensive line. So that's always going to be an area of improvement. You want depth on defense, but I think those three positions, running back, wide receiver, and corner are the three main priorities this year. And I think that if you can shore them up, then I think you can see, um, we might be able to see a 10 win season next year. Do you see, and I was actually saw a tweet that Alex had kind of uh, poked fun at, and it was more from a media member that, with the real outsider's perspective of what the Arizona Cardinals need to do, Alex, you know what I'm talking about, where one guy said that it's so important, the priorities for the Arizona Cardinals this offseason are retaining P2 and Larry Fitzgerald, and I kind of laughed at that as like, they might be might be part of it, but they're definitely, do you get this, they're not the priority any longer. No, mm. nor should they be. Larry Fitzgerald's 37 years old. You know, he's he'll be 38 when next year starts. He, he didn't have... A good year um he's definitely slowed down a step which is expected you know people want to knock that just need to look at reality and you know he he's old you know in <laughs> how dare you terms right but it's true <laughs> in football terms he's old you know he still has yeah. great hands but he's just not as quick as he used to be and that's that's fact like that's a factual statement that people need to come to grips with everyone slows down at some point in their careers and he slowed down you know still be great in in, in some situations and still you know, is a great locker room guy. 
you know, I think we saw him kind of use his experience um, to, you know, his and the team's advantage a couple of times when he would go and take the ball and, you know, make sure it got spotted right away. That's so they don't waste any time, like stuff like that. You can't really, um, you can't really replace unless someone else has those instincts. And, um, but he's not a priority. And Larry, and, you know, Patrick Peterson, he might be a, a priority to some degree, but the thing with that is, um, he, if they can find someone to replace him, then he's not a priority. If they can't, then you need to keep, you know, your 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 your, your defensive foundation somewhat intact, and he's part of that. And he didn't have an awful year, you know. He didn't have a great year either. He was he was okay last year, and I think an okay Patrick Peterson is probably better than most good seasons from other guys. And he has that leadership. He has the experience, you know. And I, I think that he's not. He's not, you know, on your your top tier of of, of priorities, but he's probably in your, 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 your tier two. You know, um, he's somebody that when he plays well, he plays really well. But when he plays bad, he he also looks like he's slowed down a step. And he's thirty. Obviously, that's getting up there for cornerbacks. Um, but no, I, I would not say that either of these guys are you know are pressing priorities for the Cardinals in two thousand twenty one. I mean, but there's so many, like, even though it's, they're kind of tired storylines because we've been talking about them, Larry Fitzgerald, every year since 2017, is he going to take the one-year $11 million, you know, sweetheart deal, and then Patrick Peterson, what's going to happen at the end of the 2020 season? Well, we're here, and I've been asking Bo, and I don't know the answer yet because this year has been very interesting regarding play calling in general and the synchronicity of the offense from their first snap to their last every game, but... The dude had 75 catches last year, and I am hard-pressed. And this isn't a homer take. I love Larry Fitzgerald, but we talk fairly rationally on this show that I think still, and I saw it with the touchdown catch against Philadelphia in the back of the end zone, that if used properly, Larry Fitzgerald could catch 70 or 80 balls next year. And I know a lot of them would be lining up pretty much in the slot or as the tight end running up to the sticks and turning around and catching the ball. It feels like it'd be doing the Cardinals a disservice if they didn't utilize Larry Fitzgerald's glorious hall of fame hands for every second that they can before he decides to retire. And I can't shake the fact that there's no real strength on this team. Even Kyler, there's no strength, offense or defense, you can rely on, and you could always rely on Larry Fitzgerald and his ability to be one of the best possession receivers the NFL has ever seen, regardless of how many yards or catches he has in a year. Do you think that if he takes less than $11 million, and if he's utilized correctly, that I'm crazy to think that he can still reach those numbers? First off, I'll say this. I do think that they have um, – how would you put it? They have uh, – an upside, what'd you say? How'd you describe it? Strength. They have a strength. His name's DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> I mean, the dude's literally probably one of the top two or three best receivers in the, in the NFL. Like, he's, you can say, I mean, I think your argument about Kyler is somewhat valid, um, but I think that DeAndre Hopkins is a strength among strengths. I mean, he's like, you, he, he is, you're not going to get a better strength than him at this point with DeAndre Hopkins. I, I meant, I'm, I more meant, in groups like the running back room or the wide receiver room or the DB room, like top heavy. Yes. But how would you grade the wide receiving core from 2020 B minus? 
And that's just because of DeAndre Hopkins. I meant more as a group instead of just uh, individuals. But yes, you're right. You're right. It, it, as, a, as a group, the receiving core wasn't very good because it was it was top heavy. Um, but when it comes to Larry, I mean, I agree with you. If if you can find a way to utilize him in his Hall of Fame hands for another seventy five catches, do it. But you can't rely on him to be your wide receiver too and have this offense put up 30 points a game. You just can't. You need to go out and find another, uh, uh, an actual wide receiver too. Because Christian Kirk, he is a very good wide receiver three. And I think that's going to be his role. You know, he might eventually turn into a wide receiver two, but I think for now, I think he's a very good wide receiver three. And that's, you know, that's not a knock. That's just going to be his role in this offense. But you need to go find a guy like, you know, draft him find your next justin jefferson you know go find a guy like that who can come in learn off of deandre learn off of larry for another year and then be that great receiver you know maybe you know in some ways Nikhil harry would have been that guy and i think he would have been a great fit for this offense um do the cardinals trade for him maybe they do i don't know but you need to find someone like that someone who has that size that type of talent um and maybe you make him a first round pick I would, because with you need to give Kyler Murray the best weapons you can. You can. Offensive line, it was fine last year. Yeah. Tight ends, fine for the, the way that they're using this offense. It was fine. You need to go give Kyler the receivers to go out and win ball games. He did not have enough of them last year. You know DeAndre Hopkins good for what he does. But you also know he's going to draw a ton of attention away from everyone else. So go find somebody who can take advantage of that. That's not Larry Fitzgerald because Larry Fitzgerald's range now is 5 to 10 yards. Sure, he'll be good for an occasional deep ball. But you know what Larry's range is. Right. Christian Kirk, we also know what his range is. It's, or he, how he's being used is go, go, just go take the top off of a defense. But how many times can you do that during a game? You need to find a guy who's in between that and – DeAndre Hopkins. And if you can do that, this team's going to be a playoff team. I mean, if Larry Fitzgerald gets 75 catches next season, I mean, his yak is going to be like 80 yards. It's, it's going to be the yeah, yeah, it'll be Jarvis Landry. It'll be Jarvis Landry. Numbers. <laughs> it's, and it's, you know what? That might not be a good thing for this offense no, if he gets 75 catches no. this year. I think that it's, it's important to find a guy that if you get the ball in his hands, he can make a play. You know, you think about Nikhil Harry in his ASU days, not his New England Patriot days. Where he would get the ball, you know, in, on a on a smoke screen, bubble screen, or whatever it may be, and then he'd go, you know, fifty yards. You need a guy that's going to be able to make players miss in the open field. Um, and I don't, I don't know if they have that guy. Obviously, they do in DeAndre Hopkins, but outside of Nook, I don't think right. they have that. It's going to be interesting. You already mentioned, you know, what their priorities should be this offseason. I want to get more into that conversation in a future podcast. It's been a pleasure catching up with you, Josh. I uh, can't wait to talk maybe some draft and also some maybe legitimate free agent targets. But uh, we'll we'll enjoy the conference championship this weekend and then, of course, the Super Bowl uh, before we do that. Josh, have a, it's been fun catching up, man. Yeah, you, you too, guys. Thanks for having me. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at Josh Weinfuss, reading his great work, ESPN.com. All right, real quick before we get out of here, the AFC-NFC championship games. According to betonline.ag, spreads pretty similar for both of these, Alex, but one 
uh, opened up with Bills being the favorites. That was, of course, following the Patrick Mahomes concussion. But now the Chiefs, three-point favorites at home. And the Packers are also three-point favorites at home. Looking at the totals, 52, according to betonline.ag, between the Bucks and the Packers, and then a little bit higher in the next game between the Chiefs and the Bills. Any uh, smart bets you're looking at this weekend? You know, it's an interesting number that Tampa Bay is getting. I'm going to ride Tom Brady until he's no longer play- like. So here's the thing: people forgot, or people remembered Tom Brady as throwing a pick six as his last pass as a New England Patriot in the playoffs against against Tennessee last year. And you couldn't help but have that steep into your cerebellum when wagering on the New Orleans game uh, against Tampa Bay last week. Bo and I both took the points. We both thought they'd win outright. We both knocked that out of the park. I'm going with the same with the same mindset here. I feel like the front of the Bucks will be able to withstand the onslaught of Jamal Williams and uh, and Aaron Jones. And the more Aaron Rodgers has to throw the ball, the better chance the Bucks have to win. And I know that sounds counterintuitive because Aaron Rodgers is an all flight guy, but Aaron Rodgers doesn't like throwing the ball more than 25 or 28, 30 times a game. They like to set the tone with the run game in some capacity. I'm taking the Bucks plus three. I would almost take them on the money line. It's plus 157 right now. And this number, Bo, is just, it's, it's a tease. But I'm going to take the under in the Tampa Bay and Green Bay game. It's, a, it's an interesting contest because when you look at last week, uh, you had Drew Brees throw two back-breaking interceptions at the end of this contest. Devin White with an incredible play. I like the Bucks' defense to keep this one close. But then you look at what Aaron Rodgers is capable of doing compared to you know Drew Brees, who showed his age in the divisional round. That Aaron Rodgers can throw the ball down the field, even though he doesn't like to throw. Like like you mentioned, Aaron Jones has been a nice addition to this offense since Matt Lafleur. You know, really Matt Lafleur has utilized him correctly and made an emphasis to run the football. But uh, yeah, I, I like the the Packers to win this game. I, I'm not so too keen on the money line. For the Bucks, I think I I like the Packers, but the Bucks to keep this close because of their defense. Um, looking at the AFC game, Bills Chiefs, Bills were one point favorites at, to to open things up. That was late Sunday night, um, but now they are three point dogs against the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes all shines pointing to him starting. Um, and and with that being said, I th- I thought that I think the Chiefs have been bored especially at the end of the regular season. And it, it almost seemed bored until they really had a wake-up call with Mahomes getting knocked out of last game. I think they're going to be ready to play. And I kind of like, even though the public seems to be on the bills in this contest, I like the Chiefs at minus three. What do you think about the over-under for Kansas City, the under the over-under 54? I'm, I'm with you, and I, I, I could be completely wrong in thinking that you love the under in this game. Yeah, I love the under in both games. Yeah. Those, I love the those under are high totals. Games. Those are pretty high totals. Yeah, I mean, the, the scary one for me, I truly, like, the Bills' defense has shown more recently. I mean, it was a slugfest. It was super ugly with Baltimore. We knew that was going to happen. I was all over the under in that game. Kansas City, it depends on what they want to do because the smartest defense, even if you have the highest-powered offense in the NFL that Kansas City does, is to keep Josh Allen off the field because any play, is John Brown or Stephon Diggs for 75-yard touchdown pass the first play of any drive after a touchback? The same could be said for Kansas City. I think there's going to be a lot less possessions than people think 
And in both games, Tampa Bay, what they're going to be doing with the 52 over-under is keeping Aaron Rodgers off the field. This is how we're, Tom Brady eats. He eats that clock. He will eat that clock all game long to keep Aaron Rodgers off the field. So it's not fun to root for the under, especially in championship games. You want to see 100 points scored. But I think that both both will hit the under. It'll be interesting to see them. It's, uh, you know, look, it's it's not fun to bet the under, but it's fun to win money. So I'll take that. And also, I want to tell you about a deceiving stat, how it goes with this, the Chiefs. You've seen it a couple times, I'm sure, if you have a social media account, on, especially on Twitter. Chiefs 0-8-1 against the spread in the last nine games. But think about the Chiefs down the stretch. I mean, they were 10-point favorites against the Browns in the divisional round. That's that's a huge number. When you look at uh, in the the regular season finale, that's a tough game to handicap. And, and you're going up against the Chargers. They played the Falcons. They played a bunch of teams where they were heavy favorites. So this is a three-point game. I think that the Chiefs are fully capable of covering that despite them not having covered or being uh, winless against the spread in their last nine contests. Don't be thrown off by that one. Uh, BetOnline.ag, that's your sportsbook experts. Sign up for your free account today, and you'll get your sign-up bonus of 50%. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON. Look, just take what we gave you is uh, just take it with a grain of salt. But uh, we had some success last weekend. Hopefully, we'll give you some insight to win some money this weekend as well. It's been a fun Friday podcast here on Locked On Cardinals, part of your Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at Locked On Easy Cards, at Clancy's Corner to follow Alex, and at Bob Rack to follow me. And just follow, follow Josh Weinfist while you're at it, at Josh Weinfist. He was a great guest for us today. Look forward to talking to Josh more this offseason. Great content coming to you next week. I think we're going to talk to somebody from the Draft Network. And uh, we've got some great crossover shows with other Cardinals talking heads coming as well. Enjoy the games this weekend. We'll have a full recap come Monday with some more Cardinals insight as well. It's Locked On Cardinals, part of your Locked On Podcast Network.